Acts chapter 2, let's start in verse 1, so follow along with me. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues, listen to this, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For since these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, that's 9 a.m., but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters will, shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, let us never take for granted that most precious and valuable of gifts. Uh, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. Uh, Lord, without the Holy Spirit, we don't see our sin. We're not born again. We're not joined to Christ. We're not made alive. Uh, Lord, we desperately need the work of God, the Holy Spirit, in our lives and in our church. God, I'm just, uh, I'm just made aware as I read this, Lord, that you sent your Spirit when you wanted to. Uh, it came suddenly. Uh, it came unexpectedly. And, and Lord, I... I just pray that you would send your spirit to Lincoln Avenue, to the 830 service and to the 945 and to the 11, to our nine small groups, to our student ministry and our children's ministry. God, please, we just ask you, God, we ask you to send your spirit to to change lives. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we started last week with the book of Acts. You remember that the book of Acts is kind of a transitional book. It helps us get from the life of Jesus to the ministry of the church. And what, what Acts is all about is the continued ministry of Jesus, okay? Not here on earth as far as his presence here on earth, his, his physical presence. But it's the continued ministry of Jesus through the people of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? And so Acts is really still going on today, okay, in this room where there's believers who are living out the mission of God that's that's that was begun in Acts chapter chapter 2 that, that we're about to read about and so Acts is is a book about the mission of God uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, in Acts chapter 1 it's kind of a 40-day period from Jesus resurrection to his ascension okay and during that 40-day period one of the things that Jesus told him is look don't do anything don't go anywhere wait wait now, I mean, that's not exactly true. We looked last Sunday night. They were gathering together. They were praying, but they weren't to go out in the mission of God 
until the Spirit of God came, okay? Until the gift of the Spirit. And so basically, Jesus gives them a promise, okay? Before his ascension, you know what I mean by his ascension, right? In, in verse 4 and 5, I'm sorry, why do I keep saying that? I think I've said that in every service. Verse 9 and 10, when, they, when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. That's the ascension, okay? Jesus rose from the dead. 40 days later, he ascends into glory, okay? Now, now you know, those are interesting words. <laughs> I was... Uh, I was reading a, a Bible story book last night with my kids. Uh, we do lots of different things uh, at night. Sometimes we do the catechism. Sometimes we, we look up verses. We have speed drills. We, uh, we tell Bible stories. We act them out. But anyway, the last, last couple of weeks, I found this old Nelson's Bible story book. And it's got illustrations. It's just kind of cool. And so we've been reading some stories out of that. So I, I read the story out of it. And when it came to this part, you see, the Bible says, and he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. That, that's the information that we have. Okay. In this Bible story book, though, it, it said, and Jesus slowly ascended into heaven. And in the picture is Jesus kind of in this, this big gold cloud. Kind of looks like something from the Care Bears, all the sparkly and everything. You know, and it says he was slowly lifted up. You know, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I mean, I mean, I know I don't have all the information. None of us do. But that's just not the way I picture it, okay? And, and I think I got evidence, all right? And the evidence that I, I present to you is that Jesus is the first and best of beings, all right? I mean, Jesus... Jesus speaks and dead people rise out of the grave, okay? Jesus walks on water. He, he calms thunderstorms. I mean, I mean, Jesus is awesome, okay? And so I have a hard time seeing his ascension kind of being like our wheelchair lift out there on the Chevy bus, you know, you know, kind of slowly into heaven with sparkly cloud. I, I don't know, you know, I, I, and I, I can't prove it to you. Maybe they're right. I don't think so, but I'm picturing... Something different, okay? No, it says he was lifted up. You know, a lot of things might go in. You could be lifted up like a wheelchair lift. You could be lifted up like a, a hot air balloon kind of drifting, you know? Or you could be lifted up like a Patriot missile, okay? You know, I mean, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking, you know, the ascension was more like. And, you know, I'm even thinking, man, it doesn't say this, but maybe some flybys like the Blue Angels, you know, and, and then up in the glory. And, and here's more evidence for that. More evidence for that is what happens after the ascension. You remember, they're just gawking up in there. All, all the people are just stuck like this, you know? I mean, they're just amazed. They're enthralled with what just happened. That Jesus has ascended into heaven, all right? And God sends two angels. Remember that over in, in verse, uh, uh, Words of verse 11 and 10 and, and the two angels come and they're like, hey, guys, you know, stop looking up in the air. You know, he's going to come back. You got to get to work. And, and so I just believe and this has really nothing to do with the sermon, but I'm just I'm just mad at this Bible story book. You know, I just believe that it was more glorious than that. OK, you know, so Jesus sends it heaven. before he does that. You know what he does? He says, hey, guys, remember the promise of God. Now That is so typical. God, okay? Because God is a promise-making God. Everywhere you look at in the Bible, you see the promises of God. You remember when we were going through our, our, our series in Genesis? Much of that series in Genesis was about God's promises to Abraham. God appears to this man, Abraham. What does he say? He says, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going I'm to make you the father of, of, of great nation. Your descendants are going to be as many as the stars of the heaven. You know, through you, all the, 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 the people of the earth will be blessed. I mean, he makes these great promises to Abraham, and God fulfills every one of them. Okay? If you look in the New Testament, Jesus is always making promises. He says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and what? What? All these things will be added unto you. Book of Romans, we got the great promise in Romans 8 that says, and God 
Works all things together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. In, in Philippians, we got great promises like, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And, and I can do all things through, through Christ who strengthens me. First John says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is always making promises, isn't he? Amen. He's always making promises. In fact, the Bible tells us that the promises of God are what stir on the saints, the believers toward righteousness. In Second Peter chapter 1. One, verse 4, it says, By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them we may become partakers of the divine nature. The Bible tells us that through the promises of God, we're able to hold on, grab on to what God's going to do, and, 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 and have faith in him, and shape our lives around the promises of God. And so, the promise here in Acts chapter 1 is what? It's that the the Spirit of God is going to fall upon the people of God. You're going to be baptized with the Spirit. That's what what verse um, 5 of chapter 1 told us. You're going to be baptized by the Spirit. And indeed, God keeps His promise. Because in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it happens. Okay? Uh, there's the baptism of the Spirit. Now, verse 1 of, of chapter 2 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So first of all, it says on the day of Pentecost. Now, what, what, when is that? Let me give you a little frame of reference, okay? Jesus died on a Friday. Okay? He died the day before Passover on, on, on Good Friday. Okay? He rose from the dead on Sunday. Okay? So Passover was Saturday. He rose from the dead on Sunday. 49 days later, okay, Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost, which is the Feast of Harvest, interestingly enough, the harvest, you know, the church. Anyway, 50 days later um, from Pentecost, which would have been that Saturday. So, so 49 days after Jesus raises from the dead on Sunday, on Sunday morning... 49 days later, on the day of Pentecost, about between 8.30 and 9, we can be pretty certain about this, because Peter, when Peter gets up to preach, it's 9 o'clock. Peter said, between 8.30 and 9, the Spirit of God falls on the church, okay? God's faithful. God sends what He promised He would send. And, and the Bible tells us that the, that the, that the people of God are, are, are baptized in the Spirit of God. Now, what, what's happened here? Well... Let's talk about the Holy Spirit for a second. Maybe I need to make sure everybody understands that. So the Holy Spirit falls on the church. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. He is completely equal with God the Father and God the Son in every way. So, so the Holy Spirit is God. Okay? So when you think of the Holy Spirit, you've got to think of God because the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit make up one God in three distinct persons. Okay, And, and when I say persons, we need to make sure we understand that the Holy Spirit is a personal God. Okay, In the sense that He's not an it. Please don't think of the Holy Spirit as an it. Please don't think of him as, as, as like the, the force on Star Wars. Okay, He's not just this, this, this kind of power that's out there, okay? He's not. In fact, Ephesians 4.30 tells us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, when, we, when we sin against Him, when we resist Him, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. In Acts 5.5, in Acts 5, 5, it talks about Ananias and Sapphira lying to the Holy Spirit, okay? So the Holy Spirit is God. We should treat Him as God, as an equal to God. And the Holy Spirit falls upon the church in Acts chapter 2. Jesus described the Spirit as, as uh, in Greek, it's called the paraclete, Okay? It's a word that means to come alongside. Uh, here's the way I think of it. As, I, as I'm going through my life and struggling and, and got things that are hard for me and difficult for me and I'm struggling to live the Christian life, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside me. 
You ever been doing something you're having a hard time with and someone comes alongside? That happens to me all the time, especially if I'm, if I'm work, working on my car. Whatever I do, if I do anything mechanical or anything, I do it in my front yard. And the reason is I know that like Kurt across the street, people will see me struggling, you know, and they'll have compassion and they'll come alongside. You know, that's what that means, okay? So the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. He is the helper, okay? He's a helper. He's a comforter. He comes alongside to empower the people of God to do the mission of God. Now, the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to think that he, he begins in Acts chapter 2. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit works all through the Old Testament. In fact, if you look at the very first verses of your Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, the first two verses of, of, of the Bible say, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit was involved in the creation of all that is, okay? We see the Holy Spirit coming upon people in the Old Testament. In, in Judges chapter 6, verse 34, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet. In, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Verse 13, we see the Holy Spirit coming upon David. It says, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And so, so in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon people and he would empower them for specific acts, okay? But what we also see is that the Spirit of God withdrew from people as well. So he would come upon people, and then sometimes he would pull away from people. Saul is a great example of that. Spirit of God came upon Saul. He did some great things. Saul kept being disobedient, sinning against God, and the Spirit left him. Okay? In fact, David, remember after David blows it with Bathsheba in, in Psalm 51, as he's, as he's praying to God in verse 11, he says, Create in me, I think it's verse 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. And then verse 11 says, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Okay, so David understood that, that the Spirit would come upon men and it would, it, would, it would leave men as well. Okay, now what happens in Acts chapter 2 is the promise of God that the Spirit would come and He would indwell, He would stay with born-again believers. Okay? And that's what happens in Acts chapter 2. And if you're a born-again believer, that's what's happened to you. The Spirit of God has come upon you. In John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17... Uh, Jesus says, and I'll ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Isn't that cool? To be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay, last week we talked about that our New Testament teaches us that when a person is born again, when they're born again, Titus 3, 5 talks about the washing of regeneration of the spirit. John 3, 3 talks about um, uh, people being born again of the Spirit of God, being born of water and born of the Spirit. And, and, and so when you're born again, the Spirit of God joins you to Jesus and he comes to live inside of you. A couple of verses we looked at last week in Romans 8 9, it says, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't have Jesus. I mean, that's how, that's how clear this is. In every born again believer, the Spirit of God resides. And if you don't have the Spirit of God, then you're not a born again believer. In 1 Corinthians 6, remember that one of my favorite verses, verse 19? It says that, that, that the Spirit of God lives, He resides, He dwells in, 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 in believers. That we are the temple of the Spirit of God. Remember that? The temple of the Spirit of God. Awesome. Okay, so, so we understand that that, that that begins in Acts chapter 2. Where the Spirit of God falls upon the church and dwells the believers permanently. And since then, every believer who's ever come to Christ is indwelt by the Spirit of God. Now, there's something else happening here other than the indwelling of the Spirit of God. 
Notice in chapter 2, verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so so something else happens. The Spirit comes upon the church, but in in verse 4 it says that the people were filled, the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, being filled with the Holy Spirit is different than being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Every born-again believer is, is, is indwelt or baptized by the Spirit of God, but not every born-again believer at all times is filled with the Spirit of God. Okay? We're never commanded to be baptized with the Spirit and indwelt with the Spirit. That happens in your conversion. We are commanded, Ephesians 5.18 is one, one place, to be filled with the Spirit. Okay? God says, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You should seek that. You should search after that. You should want that. You should position yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and it's not a one-time event. It, it happens again and again and again and again. Let me give you an example of that. In Acts chapter 2. Verse 4 says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter is one of those people that was all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Peter was there. We know because he starts preaching in verse 14. Okay? But you go to Acts chapter 4 in verse 8. And it says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, he's filled again. Okay? He's filled again. And and he begins to preach again to, 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 to the elders and the rulers of the people. And then in verse 31, the church gathers for a prayer meeting. And it says, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's Peter again. Okay, so three times from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 4, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that tell us? That tells us that being filled with the Holy Spirit should happen again and again and again and again. Okay, I should be, seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit right now. That the Spirit of God would speak through me, that, the, that I'd be under the control of the Holy Spirit. When I go to lunch, though... I should be seek again. I'm going to need to seek it again. It, it doesn't just stay with me forever, okay? I, I got to continue to seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you know? And as we're standing in line and Winnie's up there at Subway and, and she's ordering, you know, she's got all this special order. This really drives me crazy when she's at Subway, you know, because I'm ready to get my sandwich and she's like having them package up stuff and stuff for later. And, she, you know, she counts. I want, I want nine and a half onions on my, you know. And, and so, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to have to ask again, Lord, fill me with your spirit. God, I need your spirit's power right now. I need patience. I need, I need help, Okay. And then this afternoon, I'm going to go home for a little bit. Pastor Chris is preaching tonight. Amen, right there. Romans 1, 18 to 32. Come back tonight. Pastor Chris is preaching tonight. So I got one counseling session at 4, but from, from probably 1 to 4, I'm, I'm going to be able to go home. I'm going to need the, I'm gonna need the Holy Spirit again. I'm, I, I'm going to need, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. You know, I know what I'm going to come into. The kids will have kicked their shoes on the floor, and, and there's going to be challenges there, and I, I'm going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what I'm saying is, we need to be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Filled. Well, it means that, just what it means. You're filled up with the Holy Spirit. You got a lot of Him in you, okay? You got a lot of the Holy Spirit. You're under the control. You're saturated with the Spirit of God, okay? What's inside of you is, is lots of the Spirit. The, the control, being controlled and, and having a consuming passion for the Spirit of God. Now, let, let's unpack something that happens here, okay? Because this can be confusing. In verse 4 it says, And when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, what happened? They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay? So here in Acts chapter 2, when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens? They begin to speak in other languages. Okay? Now, this happens three times. I'm just go through this real quick with you. It happens three times in the book of Acts. Here, here in Acts 2, it's, it's, it's all Jewish people. Okay? Jews are proselytes. People... People that are there in Jerusalem because of the Feast of Pentecost. So these are all basically Jewish believers or Jewish people. All right? 
the, the spirit falls and there's this sign, this, this miraculous sign of all these guys who can speak all these different languages all of a sudden by the power of God. Okay. In Acts chapter 10, same thing happens. Okay. This time it's not all Jews. Guess what? It's all Gentiles. Okay. In Acts chapter 10 at the house of Cornelius, who's a Roman and all of his family and all of his soul, all, all the people associated with him. Okay. Peter comes, he preaches, he prays, the spirit of God falls. Bam. Same exact gift. Same exact thing happens. They speak in other languages, okay? In Acts chapter 19, verse 6, this is the third and final time, Paul is speaking to 12 guys who are kind of the last of the Old Testament saints. That's the way I'd describe them. They're, they're people who believe in the, in the baptism of John. They've been trying to follow God, but, but, but they, they don't know anything about the Spirit. They don't know anything about what these recent events. Paul preaches the gospel to them. The Spirit falls. They speak in tongues, okay? Three times in the book of Acts. That happens. Jews, Gentiles, and then the Old Testament, kind of Old Testament saints, what's left of them. Now, why? Why? Well, I think there's a really good reason, first of all. And, and we see this happening in, in Acts chapter 15 when Peter goes to the council. The reason that, 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 that those three events happened that way is to impress upon Peter and the rest of the apostles that, you know what? From now on, anybody, no matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, a Greek or a Roman an Oklahoman or a Wooderite, no matter who you are, you come to Jesus, you come to God one way, through Jesus Christ. And when you come to God, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. Okay? You see, if, if, if it wouldn't have happened that way, you know what would have happened? The, these Jewish Christians would have still had it in their mind that it's only through the Jews that people can get to God. It's only through the law. It's only through the nation of Israel. It's only through God's elect people, the, the, the Jewish nation. And so they would have continued to operate under that, that it's only, you got to become a Jew to become a Christian, okay? And so God impresses it upon Peter, especially. He brings Peter, because Peter's the leader. He says, look, Peter, look what happens when I save the Gentiles. Boom! Exactly the same thing that happens as when I saved you. As when, when the Spirit fell on you, the Spirit fell on them, exact same sign. Okay, so, so he's impressing upon them that, you know what? Everybody is equal at the foot of the cross, okay? Now, I don't want you to think that it is normative that when you're filled with the Spirit, you automatically speak in tongues, okay? There are some traditions that believe that. There are some traditions that would say whenever you're filled in the spirit, with the Spirit, you automatically speak in tongues. Now, I don't want you to believe that because I, I don't think that's true. I don't think that is the defining characteristic of being filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you look at a, a couple of verses we just looked at, Acts 4, 8, Peter's filled with the Spirit, and what does he do? Well, he doesn't speak in tongues. He, he talks to the, the elders and the rulers, in verse 31, when the church comes together and pray and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, they don't speak in tongues. They continue to speak the word of God with boldness. And if we look at Acts 6, 5 and 7, 55 and 9, 17 and 13, 9, all those instances, people are filled with the Spirit, but they do not speak in tongues. Okay? So, is it sometimes? Yes, we just saw that. Is it all the time? No. And in fact, what I would say is, as I look at the Bible, what is normative when you are filled with the Spirit is not that you speak in tongues, but that you speak of the glorious deeds of the Lord. And actually, that's what's actually happening here in Acts chapter 2. If you'll notice, in verse 11 of chapter 2, it says, Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. You, you see, the, the, the believers, when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're, they're praising God. They're talking about God. They're talking about the gospel. They're talking about His promises. They're talking about His goodness. Okay? The difference is, is there's a whole bunch of other people from other countries surrounding them. So God gives them the supernatural ability to talk to those people in their own language. 
You know, when I was in France uh, this, this, this last summer, it was very difficult because there were times where I just really wanted to share the gospel. Man, I couldn't even say I want an egg without them laughing at me, you know. And, and so how, how, how am I going to say, you know, man, let me tell you about Jesus and the cross and the glory of God. And he's the first and best of beings. And, you know, he's your Savior. I mean, I, I, it was frustrating because I don't have, I can't speak that language. And so God gives them the ability to, to proclaim the glorious deeds of the Lord in their own language. Okay. But let me tell you what's normative. For us, living out our faith here in Woodward, Oklahoma, is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not that you speak in a different tongue. It's that you speak English. Probably some of you hick English. But you speak the glorious deeds of God. Okay, you, you, You're speaking a language you know, but you're, you're, what's coming out of your mouth is the glorious deeds of God. You're, not, you're talking about God's glory. Now, now I, I want to prove, because I'm going I'm to hammer this down, okay? Because I really believe that this is, this is biblical, that the filling of the Spirit results in God's glory coming out of your mouth. Okay, let, let me show you that even in the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 11, verse 29. This is Moses. He says, uh, but Moses said to them, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all of the Lord's people were prophets. What's a prophet? A prophet is someone who speaks about God's glory, Okay. That the Lord would put his spirit on them. Okay? Let, let me read you another one. First uh, Samuel chapter 10, verse 6. Then the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy. This is to Saul and with him and, and be turned into another man. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17. When Peter is explaining this thing, he goes back to the Old Testament book of Joel. And he says, in the last days, it shall be that God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. In verse 18, even all my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Well, you see a common thread here. Whenever the spirit of God is poured out, what happens? People talk about God. They proclaim good things about God. They're they're filled up with the greatness of God. Now go to your New Testament. Go to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Okay, I think this is interesting. Because this is a church setting. Okay, Ephesians is written to a church like our church. Okay, And in verse 18... He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, now what's the result of that? Interestingly, he doesn't say, so that you'll speak in tongues. You know what he says? He says, addressing one another. Addressing one another. What does that mean? I talk to Bonnie. I talk to Michelle. June talks to me. That's addressing one another. Okay, how? In Psalms. What's a psalm? Well, you got, you got 150 of them in your Bible, okay? All kinds of tr- glorious things about God, Okay. In Psalms, addressing one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We just did that a little bit ago, didn't we? We sang Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, okay? Singing and making melody to the Lord within your, in your heart. What, what's he saying? He's saying you're gonna, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak to one another in the truths of the Word. You're going to speak to one another the glorious deeds of the Lord. Okay, now what else? Let's keep going. Verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, you know what's going to happen? I mean, you're, you're going to overflow with talking about how good God's been to you. Okay? That's what giving thanks is, isn't it? When you give thanks, what do you do? You say, man, God did this. He's good. You know? And, and God did this for me. Man, he's good. And God's doing this for me and he's going to do this for me. I mean, that's what it is to give thanks. What are they doing? They're expressing the glorious things of God. Folks, that's what happens when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. If we go again to Colossians, similar passage, but, but, but there's one thing I want to point out to you here. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now listen to what he says. 
Teaching and admonishing one another. One another. Okay, what are we doing? We're talking to each other. How? We're, we're through the scriptures. By, by, with the scripture. Teaching and admonishing one another. In all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Just what we heard. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. Just what we heard. But notice, instead of, being, instead of saying being filled with the Spirit, you do that. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You see, I, I believe that being filled with the Spirit is the same thing as letting the word of Christ fill you up. I think Paul's just saying it a different way. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay? Folks, everywhere in the Bible we see Acts 4.31. says that they were, filled, they were filled with the Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Everywhere we see that when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, what comes out of their mouth is the glorious things that God has done. Okay? That, that, that's the evidence. That, that's what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I was talking to my kids about this last night after we read the story. And, and I said something that they all thought was kind of funny, but, um, I, I think it's, I think it's good. But, um, what I said to them is I said, guys, whatever you're full of eventually is going to come out of your mouth. Okay. Now they were thinking like pizza or spaghetti or whatever, you know, so they thought that was funny, you know, which actually is true. You know, did you know that? I mean, if you eat enough, it's, it's going to come out, you know, but, but, but what, what I'm talking about here is spiritually, whatever you're filled up with spiritually, it's going to come out of your mouth. Jesus said, remember Jesus, Matthew 12, 34. Remember this, Matthew 12, 34. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There it is. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What does that mean? That means whatever fills up you on the inside, it's going to come out, isn't it? In your conversation, in your attitude, in, in, in the way you talk to your family. Now, let's have a little introspection. Isn't that interesting to think about? What, what's, what comes out of your mouth on a, on a normal basis, on a regular basis, okay? You know, it, if it's angry words, if you find yourself to be a person that's always talking about how this made you mad and you're complaining about this and you're gripey about this and you're mad about this and this wasn't right and that wasn't right and this person never does you right and that person's always this way and that way and I can't stand this person. If that's what comes out of you on a, on a continual basis, okay, let's, let's reason backwards. What's filling you up? It's not the Spirit of God. What is it? It's anger. It's bitterness. It's wrath. If you're one of those people that what comes out of you all the time is, is, is all me-centered, you know? I mean, your conversation, what comes out of you is my ailments and, and my worries and my problems and my struggles and my this and what I need and what I want. You know, I mean, if that's what's continually coming out of you all the time, what, what's filling you up? Remember, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's inside the heart? It's not the Spirit of God. He's not filling you up. What, what is it? It's itself. It's a consuming passion with you. You find yourself being one of those people that, 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 that what comes out of your mouth all the time is worry. You know, it's I'm stressed about this. And I don't know what's going to happen here. And, you know, I can't sleep because of this. And I'm worried. And, you know, I tried to cast my cares on the Lord. But, you know, I just don't know that he's going to do anything about it. So I got to take him back. You know, and if you're that kind of person, you know, that's what's coming out of your mouth. Folks, whatever's coming out of you on a regular basis is what is filling you up. It's what's inside of you. And the Bible says when you're full of the Holy Spirit, the truths of God, the goodness of God, the glory of God, the mighty works of God, that's what's going to come out of your mouth when you talk to your friends, when you talk to your children, when you talk to your spouse, when, when, you, when you talk to yourself in the car. Okay, It's going to express. It's going to flow out of you. It's going to demonstrate. I, I don't agree with those people that are like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a ball of, of, of spiritual joy on the inside. You just can't see it on the outside. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know. I don't agree with that, you know? 
I just don't. You know, I mean, I, some people look grumpier than others. I understand that. But I think if someone's around you enough, they're going to see it. And if you don't see it, I don't think it's there. All right. So number one, first, I hope I've hammered that enough. The first defining characteristic of being filled with the Spirit. We see it over and over again. They spoke the Word of God. They talked about the Bible. They talked about the promise of God. They talked about the glory of God. Okay. Second characteristic is they did it with great joy. Okay. I like Acts 13. It's a real short verse. Acts 13, verse 52. It says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Hear that? The disciples are filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You know what happens here in Acts chapter 2? They... The Spirit comes, baptized with the Spirit, then they're filled with the Spirit, and then they speak of the mighty deeds of God in, in all these different languages. And you know what people say? Verse 13, but others mocking said they are filled with new wine. People look and say, man, those guys are drunk. That's the only, look at the way they're at, they're drunk. Now, why? Why would they say that? Now, some people say, well, it's because they were all speaking these different languages. You know what? When I'm in the train station in Washington, D.C., and I walk through the food court and I hear all these different languages, I don't turn around and say, bunch of drunk people. They're not speaking English. I don't, we don't say that. So it's not that they were speaking different languages. It's evidently the way that they were speaking different languages. Did you know that when people are really filled with joy, that makes other people nervous? Have you ever noticed that? You know, when people are really happy, you know, when, when they're just like, man... You know, they come into work and they're like, oh, I'm just so glad to be here. God has been so good to me. I'd be like, what's wrong with you? You know, what's wrong with you? Why are you, what do you mean? You know, well, I'm just, oh, here, I got my assignment for today. I got a, here's my route. Man, I just, oh, I just, the day's so good. God is good today. And everybody's like, ah, I don't want to be around that. There's something wrong with, I mean, people are suspicious of that, aren't they? And, and so there, evidently there's this, this spirit of great joy in these folks. So much so that people looking at it, they, they got, they're accusing them of being drunk. There's something wrong with them. Here's what Psalm says. Psalm 4, 7. I like this verse. It says, you put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. And there's great joy in the Lord. Wouldn't we expect that? What do we believe about God? We believe he's the first of best of beings. Amen. We believe that, that, that in God, everything that's good in this life. Is, is just a shadow of the glory of God. We believe that. In fact, there's a psalm that I say so much that I know you guys have memorized it just because I say it every, every single Sunday almost. Psalm 1611. In God's presence, in your presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Now, if that's true, and I believe it is, if that's true, then having more of God, having being filled up with the knowledge of God, and the truths of God, and the promises of God, and the character of God, being filled up with it. What's that, what's that going to do? It's going to bring about joy. It's going to bring about joy. So much so that, that here in Acts 2, they thought, man, these guys are drunk. Well, they're not drunk. They're just filled up with great joy. You see, a lot of times the world thinks, man, for someone to be that happy, they've got to be on something. That's not what's happening here. They're just filled up with the character and the greatness of God. So much so that, man, it just radiates joy out of them. With all, without all the rampant stupidness that comes with alcohol. I mean, it's, it's, you know, wow, huh? It's good stuff. All right, real quickly. Man, we're out of time. How did that happen? Okay. Don't worry, though. That does not deter me. Uh, how should we seek this filling? 
Okay, how should we seek, how should we seek to be filled with the Spirit? How are we going to seek that? Number one, we're going to remember that the Holy Spirit, that being filled with the Holy Spirit, is deeply connected to the mission of God. Okay, we looked at this last week, but I want to say it again. Please don't think you can be filled with the Spirit, but disconnected from the mission of God. You see, a lot of people, when they hear about the fruit of the Spirit, have you ever heard about the fruit of the Spirit, what happens when the Spirit of God takes control of your life? Galatians 5 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, much, I don't know about you guys, but I say sign me up for that, okay? I mean, when, when, when the Bible says that the Spirit of God is going to produce more love in my life, I want that. I, I want to love people better. I don't want to be irritable, and I don't want to be grumpy, and I don't want to be at odds with people all the time. I want to love people. I want more of that. I mean, when, the, when, when it says the Spirit of God brings joy... Man, sign me up. In the 8.30 service, I didn't do it in the 9.45. I'm not going to do it here because it was so discouraging. But I said, I was you know, kind of wrapped up. I said, who wants joy? You know, I raised my hand. Dan Eitzen back there in the back. He raised his hand. Nobody else. You know, I'm like, wow. What in the world? You know? I don't know. I want it. Okay? I mean, I really do. I want joy. I mean, I, I want God to give me joy. You know, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. It's peace. Man, it's, it's being able to be at, at rest in, in your spirit and to be okay with the, the circumstances of life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. I need more patience, the ability to carry a heavy load, the ability to walk through difficult circumstances, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. I want all of that. The last one, self-control. Yes, give me more, okay? And, and so when I read about the fruit of the Spirit, I want more. I bet, I bet if you're honest, you would say, I want that too. But a lot of people, here's what they do. They say, well, I want that, but I don't want the mission of God. I, I don't want to talk about the things of God with other people. That's awkward. You know, I don't, I don't want to be at lunch with my friends. And I don't, I don't, I'm not going to talk about how good God is and about the cross and about heaven and about forgiveness and about being a new person. I'm not going to talk about that. We're, we're going to stick to football, fishing, the oil field. I'm just going to stick to that. I don't want to be a part of a team kid. I don't want to teach a class. I don't want to lead a Bible study. I don't want to be in a small group. No, that's not for me. Oh, but God, I want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentle self-control. You know what? What did we learn last week? The power of the Holy Spirit comes for the mission. You say no to the mission, you say no to the fullness of the Spirit. Number two. So number one, remember that being filled with the Holy Spirit means the mission of God. Number two, you can't be full of the Spirit when you're already full. Okay? That's just the principle, right? If we got a cup up here and it's full of, of Dr. Pepper, I, I can't put something else in it. Uh, it's already full. Okay? And, and, and so if you're already full, ask yourself that. Are you already full? Are you already filled with something else besides the Spirit of God? A little bit ago, we talked about anger. Did you know that you can be full of anger? You can, can't you? You, you? You've been there, haven't you? Where anger just radiates out of you, you know? And in your mind, you're just dumping it in. You're, you're thinking about the offense and you're, you're running over in your head and you're ta- thinking about it and thinking about it and you won't let go of it. And you're bitter and you're unforgiving. And you just, you feel, you feel, you're full. You know, interestingly enough, when you're full of anger, did you know that without even saying anything, people can see that, can't they? It changes the way you physically look. Isn't that amazing? If you're full of worry, that changes the way you look. You know, if, you, if you're, you're holding on to all these, these stresses and problems and struggles and you won't give any of it to the Lord and you won't trust God to do anything with it, I mean, you just keep it all yourself, you're already full. You know, if you're full of yourself, if you're full of lust, if you've got these, these covetous things going around in your head and filling you up and you're, 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 you're continuing to put that in your, in your life, you're, you're full already. 
Here's what the Bible says. You're, God's not going to fill you. You're already full. So what do you need to do? You need to, you need to dump that out. You need to repent of that. You, you need to make room for the Spirit of God. We, we could say that, couldn't we? You need to make room for the Spirit of God in your life. I'm going to let go of those offenses. I'm going to let go of my anger. I'm going to let go of my worries. I'm going to let go of my, my selfishness. I'm not going to obsess over what I think I want or need. I'm going to make room in my life, and I'm going to ask the Spirit of God to, to fill that. Number three. I never thought I'd do this, but I'm going to teach you guys how to get drunk here at church, Okay. I wasn't always a Christian, so I do know this. Here's how you get drunk. You get alcohol and you drink a whole bunch of it. That's it. That's how you do it. Okay, the Bible says, don't do that. Stupid. You're in your life. It's an artificial joy. Be not drunk with wine. But he's comparing it. So we need to use it as an analogy. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, how do you fill with the Holy Spirit? Well, let me teach you. You know what you do? You get a bunch of God, and you just drink a bunch of it. You drink a bunch of it. You open up your Bible in the morning, and you, you drink in the character of Jesus, and you drink in the words of Jesus, and you drink in the promises of Jesus, and you drink in the, the, the love of Jesus, and the grace of Jesus, and the plan of Jesus, and the glory of Jesus, and the victory of Jesus, and you drink it in, you drink it in, you drink it in. You memorize it. You meditate on it. Same principle, isn't it? Number four. This is it. This is it. So don't despair. How you fill with spirit? Well, there's a verse in Galatians. It's interesting. Let me just turn there. Galatians 5, 16. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Isn't that interesting? Instead of, being, instead of saying, be filled with the spirit, you know what he says? He says, walk by the spirit. I like that he uses walk. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a common analogy in the Bible. And, and when the Bible uses walk, what it's saying is, you know, your everyday simplest parts of your life. You walk. I'm doing it right now. If I hadn't said anything, you wouldn't even thought anything about it because it's so natural to us, right? We walk. And, and, and so Galatians is saying, walk by the Spirit. In other words, moment by moment, day by day, hour by hour, situation by situation, live your life in dependence upon, in awareness of the Spirit of God. Now, some of you are going to say, well, Pastor, that, that's nice if you're a preacher and you don't really have anything to do all day, but think about God and read your Bible and recite memory verses. But you know what? I, I, got, I got a life. I got a, I got a job that's demanding. I got people that need stuff from me. I got things I got to think about. Okay, okay. But here's what, I would, here's what I would tell you, though. It is very possible for you to concentrate on your everyday life and at the same time be aware of someone's presence. That's possible. I did it Friday, not uh, with the Holy Spirit, but... but with, with real people. Friday, Friday, I took Friday off. And so Friday morning, we, we did a bunch of errands. You know, we went and picked up a payroll. Uh, we went out to Vesco, got some things signed. Um, we went to a B&G Production, picked up some stuff about some Ten Commandments stuff. We went back here to the church, uh, let somebody in to pick up a Sunday school book. Uh, uh, we, got Hel- we got donuts from Miss Helen. Uh, what else did we do? We, uh, we went to the grocery store. Um, we um, paid some bills. Uh, did, I did all of that with three people with me. Haddon, Avery, and Haven, okay? Now, what I want you to understand is, is that while I was doing all of that other stuff, I was always aware of their, those three people, especially of Haven, okay? Especially of Haven. When I, go to the, when I went to the grocery store, we had some things we had to get. You know what I was able to do? I was able to go and, and, and get those things off the shelf, all the while aware of where she was, okay? 
Moms, you do this all the time with little kids, don't you? You know, some moms, it's almost like they have like this, this, I don't know, this radar or something, you know, they'll be like reaching up for something on the shelf. The kid will be back there reaching for something else. They'll be like, no, you know, it's like, how'd you see that? You know, but they're doing something at the same time. They're aware. Okay. Now, now if I was able to, to do a bunch of errands on Friday morning with at the same time, being aware of where three people were, isn't it possible that you can go back to your day? And at the same time, be constantly aware of the Holy Spirit. Can't you do that? Can't you walk through your day and whatever situation approaches? This happens to me all the time. I'll be, I'll be going through my day. I'll be out somewhere. Someone that I didn't expect to see comes. And I know this, this could go well or it could go badly. I know there's some, maybe some difficult things I probably need to say to the person. And you know what I do as I'm, as I'm walking toward that person? Just inside my spirit. Holy Spirit, help me. Lord, you, you got you to you arrange this. Lord, you got to give me the words to say. I don't say that out loud. In fact, don't say that out loud. You know, if someone's walking toward you, don't be like, God, help me. God, help me. That's not a good Christ in a relationship building thing. But, you know, you see what I'm saying, though? Can you not do that in your spirit? Sometimes isn't it just reflexive? Isn't it? You know, you hit a situation and God, help me. Lord, I need you. God, this can be tough. Lord, help me. Lord, I, I struggle with this. I failed here last time. Lord, help me. I mean, it's just, it's just continual dependence upon the Spirit of God and focus on the Spirit of God and, and receiving the Spirit of God, being filled up. Just, let's just close just by thinking of this. What, what is filling you up? What's filling you up? I'm just afraid that for some of you, you're so bound up with all this other stuff that there's not room for the Spirit of God in your life. And so maybe the first step this morning is just to dump all that out, you know, and just just to repent and name it. God, this is wrong. It shouldn't be in me. These feelings, this anger, this bitterness, this whatever, this worry, this lust, this covetousness, this discontent, this grumbling, whatever it is, and just dump it out. And then, then seek the Spirit of God to fill you up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, without you, we can we could do literally nothing. God, we can't we can't make it without you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, right here in this church, God, that you would you would bring people to life spiritually. God, we understand that that's the role of the Spirit of God. You you save people. You you convict them of sin, and and you you give them a heart to want you. And God, we we pray that you'd save people by the power of the Spirit. We pray that you would give people the the ability to bear fruit, God, to love one another aggressively, to, to be patient with each other, to, to be joy-filled. God, give us the, the fruit of the Spirit. And God, give us the power to complete the mission that you've called us to do. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.